Welcome to The Grand Life, a podcast about grandparenting, exploring ways to be better at it and connecting to those who are in it with us. I'm Emily Morgan. I've been thinking a lot about gratitude these days and the difference between gratitude and thankfulness. So I started reading about it. And it seems that most people believe that being thankful is the act of being aware of receiving a benefit, while being grateful involves something a little different. Gratitude involves experiencing something at a heart level, so gratitude goes a little deeper. Molly Beth Griffin writes about this in her children's book, Ten Beautiful Things, about a granddaughter who goes to live with her grandmother. You don't know why she's taking a car trip to live with her grandmother. You just sense that it's a hard trip, and her grandmother is creating ways to help make it less painful. In the meantime, she's developing an attitude of gratitude around the experience. As I talked to Molly, I could tell pretty quickly she was one of those people who feels things at the heart level and then puts pen to paper to express it. My true love is picture books, and I have several out. Loon Baby was my first, and then Rhoda's Rock Hunt, and now Ten Beautiful Things. So I teach picture book writing to adults here in Minneapolis, and um I also have two children, and I've been full-time parenting my children through this pandemic time, so um, I'm very much home with them again in a way that um, I haven't been for a while. I was home with them when they were little, yeah. and now uh, we get to do that again, so... That's a lot. We are, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's been a lot, but it's been good too. And we've been hiking a lot and we just got back from swimming at grandma's. So, well, you know, you never know where you might get some inspiration for another children's book. So maybe this whole experience with having them home. Tell me a little bit about this book, 10 Beautiful Things. What inspired you to write it in the first place? Well, this book has been in the works for a very long time. I actually first drafted it when I was pregnant with my first child, and he is now a sixth grader. So it's been through a lot of major, major changes. It started out as a road trip book about um, travel and about a child going to see the Sandhill Crane migration. And Hmm. that is not at all what it is anymore, um, as you've noticed. Um, But it's it's, um, kept the the main idea, which is about falling in love with a place and sometimes a place that is maybe not the most lovable at first sight. So that has been there (laughs) the whole time, even though it has changed drastically in pretty much every other way. Um, But I wanted to write a book about Iowa and a book about um, driving through spaces and finding new homes in kind of unexpected parts of the world. And an unexpected situation, because in this book, you have a granddaughter who is coming to live with her grandmother. And I'm assuming that that's um, intentional did you have a reason in mind when you wrote the book that the gram the why the granddaughter is coming to live with the grandmother? So I actually kept it really open ended on purpose because I 
didn't need it to be showing any particular backstory for her. I wanted to show, like I said, a, a, a new a ch- change, mm-hmm. a child experiencing mm-hmm. change um, and coming to terms with a new situation. Um, but the, the details of it have always been kind of for the reader to yeah. decide. And I think that that has really helped a lot of people find a way into it in their own, from their own experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. It it does give the reader a lot of freedom to kind of decide why this granddaughter has had to pack up and go with her grandmother to Iowa on this road trip that they're taking. So it's interesting to me because the grandmother seems to have an intuitive sense of how to handle the grief that this da- this granddaughter is experiencing, what, however and for whatever reason it is. Um, and, you know, you get the feeling that she knows her granddaughter pretty well, but you're telling me as an author, you, you're not going to tell me about the relationship, but yet I think the reader can kind of gather kind of implicit in the relationship is this grandmother knows when to talk and when not to talk, which I think is such an interesting thing. Because as a grandmother, I can tell you that I have a lot more patience with quiet and silence and not having to hear everything right away than a mother would have. Um, And I found that really fascinating. Is that something you thought about when you wrote the book? I don't know in those exact terms, but I do think that... um... I love in all of my books to write about families that look different than we maybe usually see in a picture book. Mm -hmm. And um, my family looks different than is in most picture books. And I think a lot of people, um, a lot of children now live in all kinds of situations and with different kinds of loving adults. Um, And so I think it's really important for them to get to see those kinds of families in these stories. And sometimes, um, like you're saying, that opens it up to a different, you know, kind of parenting. Mm -hmm. So um, in Rhoda's Rock Hunt, it's an aunt and uncle that are taking the child on a camping trip. And it's never explained where her parents are, why she's going with an aunt and uncle, but there's something about being with your aunt and uncle that's different from being out with your parents. And so I think um, it kind of, we have this very narrow view of what a family looks like in a picture book. And it's so often just a mom and a dad or one parent and a child, Um, but exploring those different kinds of relationships and different um, ways that a child can be loved by different people in their lives. Yeah, you did a beautiful job, I think. And and you're not even a grandparent, so you obviously... I'm not. I'm not. I do look forward to that someday. Yeah, it is a great thing. And um, you're very observant then to to kind of uh, develop this relationship the way that you did in the book. The book seems to concentrate a lot on gratitude. Is that something you were aiming for in the writing of it? Or is that something you found to be helpful in your own life? Absolutely. I think um, 
that is what ultimately tied the book together was coming up with the game of mm-hmm. finding 10 beautiful things and that gave the book a structure and it gave it a, a thematic heart that I think really uh, that's when the book finally became the book that it is and it took a long you know time to get it there um, but I then now I feel like having it come out in the middle of a pandemic it came out in january it was delayed it was supposed to come out in september Mm -hmm. and the publishing house decided to wait um, because early on in the pandemic people were only buying books they knew yeah and new books were not selling and so they waited and we were of course still in a pandemic in january (laughs) which they had no way of knowing we were going to be when they made that choice back last spring but what happened was all of these people who had been in these hard situations and all of these kids who had been in hard situations for most of a year at that point and more than a year now needed strategies for coping with whatever hard stuff mm-hmm. they were dealing with. Um, and so I think it has landed in this really perfect way in a time when we need the the gratitude practice and not gratitude for macro things big things that we should feel grateful for our health right if we're healthy we should feel grateful for that if our family is together you Mm -hmm. know and those are big obviously true things um but it's sometimes hard to need to feel gratitude for those big things when you're coping with change or loss. Yeah. So what's helpful is to go out and say, well, I'm feeling really grateful right now that my peonies are blooming. Yeah. Yeah. And have that tiny little thing that you can point to that says this, this thing, I'm going to focus on this little thing. And that is beautiful. It really is. And I I think that is so encouraging when you read it. Um, And I love it because I think grandparents often are the ones who remind children of the little things, because as we get older, those things become more and more important to us, you know, as we're losing our health or we're losing th- people in our lives. And so those those micro things become very special, mm-hmm. and we can point those out to our grandchildren. You know, there's a lot unsaid in the book, but I think it's pretty clear that a grandparent can be a very special person in a child's life. Was that the case in your own life? It was, and um, it's interesting to think about it now because I don't have any grandparents left. Um, But I had one set of grandparents and then my grandmother died when I was four. And it was my grandfather on my mom's side who I grew up knowing. And what I remember from being with him, he lived far away. So it wasn't like we were with him all the time, but we would go and visit Mm-hmm. them. And we would take these early morning walks because he was like a 5 a.m. kind of guy. <laughs> and I was the only one, I was the youngest. So I was the only, the only one who was willing to get up and uh, yeah. <laughs> walk with him. And so we would go and um, greet all the dogs in the neighborhood. And we would pick a walking stick, you know, mm-hmm. and he had his good, the walking sticks he liked. And And he thought we should chase all the squirrels because those squirrels were so lazy. They needed exercise. (laughs) So we would chase the squirrels. And, you know, now I'm like, of course, of course, that's what I did with my 
grandpa, you know, um, and how special that because I was the little one, I was the one who was up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and could go with him. Um, I had a older brother and an older sister and, but it was me who was, you know, willing to be awake at that time of day. (laughs) So I got those little special moments. The quiet times are wonderful with grandparents. I think as quiet and prolonged moments where you have with grandparents. You know, I am grateful for this book. I think it's one of those things where, uh, like I said, like you said, even it it does it represents a relationship that doesn't often get portrayed in a book. Illustrations were wonderful, very fun. You know, you mentioned that you've done poetry, and I think there is a bit of poetry in this book as well. Did you feel that way? Oh, absolutely. I think picture books and poetry are so closely related. Yeah. This interesting blend of written and oral tradition because we read them aloud to kids. You don't, right. They don't read them to themselves usually. Right. So we have that um, sort of theatricality and the, the rhythm on the page and they're mm-hmm. a little bit like music and a little bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a, musicality is always important to me when I'm reading a book and how we read it to a child is, is part of that as well. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, your book is 10 Beautiful Things and it is, it is a real treasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Molly's book, Ten Beautiful Things, really highlights how the two bookend generations have something in common. We are both keen observers of the little things. In today's The Stretch It Takes, we delve into why that might be and how we can take advantage of the time we've got with our grands when both of us live at a slower pace. So while today might not be so much a stretch as it is relaxing into the moments, let's go to the mat and enjoy the stillness. some periods of my life when I've been more grateful than others. And the more I consider the reasons for that, I believe that it has to do with how much cushion I have around my life. We've talked a little about the difference between being thankful and being grateful. It's easy to express thanks. And I think for the most part, I have been thankful to others for the things I enjoy. But the deeper things, the real feelings of gratitude, have always come with a generous amount of time to reflect on them. Like my mother's square yellow casserole dish as she pulled it out of the oven filled with a boiling hot spring of homemade mac and cheese. There was nothing like the feeling of receiving the first spoonful of that bubbly, cheesy pasta. I was always grateful if I was served that spoonful before anyone else. As a child, my gratitude extended to being handed the cold, sweaty pink aluminum cup of Kool-Aid from my grandmother's kitchen or inhaling the scent of New Hampshire pine needles when I walked hand-in-hand with my grandfather to the mailbox to get the morning paper. My first ten years were spent living in a cement subdivision where driveways and sidewalks took up the majority of that buffalo landscape. On sweltering hot days, my friends and I would soak our beach towels with water and then lay down on them after skipping back and forth through the sprinkler. When it was time for dinner, we would pull them off the steamy cement underneath. I still remember that Velcro-like sound of my towel as I ripped it off the driveway. 
Strange things to feel gratitude for. Strange things to remember. But maybe not so strange when you think about how much time I had at that point in my life. Most days, that's all I had was time. Not a lot of agency, not much freedom to make my own decisions. I was completely at the mercy of everyone else's schedule, which meant that I needed to keep myself occupied. So I read books, explored home construction sites, scary thought now that I'm older. I put on talk shows with my friends, and I played house in practically everyone's basement in the neighborhood. And so many of my feelings of gratitude are wrapped around that time of my life. The list is endless. Wearing my pajamas to the ice cream stand. The rough feel of the carpet in the back of the yellow VW Beetle, a place I loved to crawl into. The box fan blowing in my face and the funny mouth noises I entertained myself with. The massive trays of donuts brought to our front door for us to point to and then consume. And the smell of the lily pads at my grandparents' lake cottage. But then there's a long space that spanned my teenage years until the years I had our babies where I have a hard time remembering anything I was really grateful for. Junior high, high school, college, and then grad school, new jobs, and a marriage. So was I newly ungrateful or was I just that busy? A lot happened during that time, but my most memorable moment of gratitude happened when as an adult and a new mother, I was sitting out on the upstairs screen porch of our home in Rochester, New York. We had moved there when our daughter was one, and in the next spring, our son was born. I sat out on that porch many late nights, nursing him and rocking him to sleep. I had nothing but time on my hands. No agency, really, not much freedom. Lots of hours at home with a 21-month-old and a newborn. Time had once again stopped for me, and in that pause, I was beyond grateful. I rocked my baby and watched the lights flicker below in the neighborhood. It was quiet, and I was filled with gratitude. But before I knew it, I was in the throes of mothering four children all the way from birth to college. Looking back, it's a blur, and I honestly have a hard time remembering many moments of gratitude. Call me callous, but I was so busy. I was just thankful they were all fed and breathing at the end of each day. Fast forward to today. I'm in a period of my life where I may be busy, but not so busy that I don't have time to notice the dimples on my grandson's hands or the way my granddaughter takes a gulpy breath between words and a sentence. I'm noticing more things again. The chimes from a clock, the new buds on my hydrangea, and the chipmunk who has taken up residence under our wood box. I especially enjoy a cat nap on my bed with the blinds open and the sun streaming in on my face. I think these are the reasons grandparents and grandchildren get along so well. They both have that cushion of time on their hands, lots of freedom, plenty of space, and they choose to enjoy it together in a way that they will never forget. We are nearing the end of our fourth season of The Grand Life, and I can't tell you how grateful I am to have met so many interesting people all along the way. I hope you feel the same about this podcast. Be on the lookout for some new features after our break, but during the break, my producer husband and I will be on now and then to talk about our favorite episodes, the process of making the podcast, and reveal a little more about who we are. We'd also really like to get to know more about who you are. 
And so we'll be asking you more questions, sending you a survey or two, and just basically trying to learn more about our growing audience. Thank you so much for being loyal listeners and for spreading the word about The Grand Life. Your likes and reviews are making a difference and helping to encourage us along the way. Our next episode, Recollections 8, concludes Season 4. My guests talk about memories they have of sleepovers with their grandparents. For many, that was really not a thing, but there are some who have fond memories of being at their grandparents' house overnight. Next time on The Grand Life... I would be dropped off at my grandparents' house. Then we would put some Jiffy Pop uh, on the stove, and my grandfather would go down into the basement, and he would get the projector with all the Super 8 home movies that he had collected over time. And we would sit down in the basement with the pull-down screen, the Super 8 projector, and watch home movies. And that really was probably one of the reasons why I became a filmmaker. That's next time on The Grand Life. For now, don't forget to email me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 317-572-7876 if you have an idea for the podcast or a comment about it. Also, hop on Facebook and join us. There'll be more happening on that platform soon. I've said it before, I do not pretend to be the best grandparent ever, but I will confess to believing that being one is the best thing ever. I'm Emily Morgan, and thanks for joining me in living the grand life. This podcast was written and hosted by Emily Morgan, my grandmother. It was produced and edited by Mike Morgan, my grandfather. Email them at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com.